punch drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe they were super necessary. Welcome to episode 60 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favourite combat sport podcast hosted by two dudes who can't fight and know way less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, good to see you. Uh, weird week, I thought. Finished off with the great card, but, you know, if you had spoken to the Lewis and Adam this time last week about what our thoughts are on Paddy the Batty. It would be, he's the fucking king of everything. If you say one bad word about him, you're a piece of fucking dirt and I hate you. And now it's like, mm, I don't know. I, I don't not like him, but I don't love him the yeah. way I loved him a week ago. See, I, nothing nothing much has changed for me. He got, you know, he just got something in his head and, and he rode with it. What was he going to do all of a sudden turn around? He can't. He's, he's like, he's committed to it now. He's got his feelings. He's caused a beef. And at the end of the day, he is a huge star. And now he will continue to be so because people want to see him get, fight, uh, get, you know, get beaten up. It's, it's just one of those things. He's, he's still going to be one of the biggest stars in the UFC. His whole beef with Ariel Hawani was weird. Of course, as is tradition online, no one seems to be, uh, actually getting 100% of, of the facts correct. And then Ariel came out and did his typical thing, which he does extremely well. Ariel Hawani is very bright, very sharp, very good at what he does. And the way he does responses to arguments and things like that on his show is always well, very well done, very well prepared. And, you know, he, he came out, he came out looking, looking, really good as, as a result of it. People are saying Paddy had a really bad week, probably could have gone a little bit better for him, but yeah, it's a crazy sport. It's a crazy world. Yeah. It was, it's one of the rare times you see a mass, a mass amount of people just jump on the side of a journo. It was. Mate, it was, it was, yeah. And this is the thing though, like, yes, Ariel Hawani is a journalist, but he is also a content creator. And, I don't, I don't agree with all the things Paddy said. I certainly didn't agree with him, you know, name calling. And without question, he was getting carried away. He was on his own podcast. He's got Dana White there and he knows Dana White hates him. He's like, yeah, in this moment, I'm going to get a good reaction out of this from him. We're going to have some fun with it. Let's, let's, let's just, let me share my feelings. I don't think he just did it on the spot to, to sort of curry favor per se with Dana White. I think he does have those feelings about Ariel. Maybe they're misguided. I don't know. None of us know, or very few of us know Ariel Helwani personally, so we can't really we can't really comment on that. His manager as well, Graham Boylan, came out and posted some weird, cryptic videos on Instagram afterwards. The whole thing was a bit of a mess. But what I will say, Ariel Helwani did a good, a really good job. But he 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 does like to be intentionally naive. The idea that having big guests on his channel and on his show isn't good for his brand and isn't good for his contract value is just completely asinine. 
Paddy saying that he makes money directly from the clicks is stupid because everyone knows that's not Ariel's YouTube channel. Again, that was Paddy being uh, being really thick about it. But for Ariel Hawani to be like, no, no, my contract's the same whether I have great views, uh, great clicks and views and, and content or, or not. When he wants to renegotiate with MMA fighting, his agent is going to pull up those numbers and go, look who's the main driver of traffic on your channel. Pay my boy, give him a raise, which is what he should be doing. That's that's the world we live in. You know, it's li- literally your job. You have to show that you can, you know, attract an audience and bring people to your site because that's how content places uh, create revenue these days. So I don't know. I think it was one of those things that got massively blown up out of proportion. Um, it was, you know, it was fun watching it unfold. And quite frankly. At the start, people were people were both sides. A lot of people like Ariel. Some people, you know, quite a few people. Uh, I was following all it, it all on Twitter, uh, and yeah. Anyway, we could, I guess, we could talk about it for ages, but yeah. it's kind of like one of those things. It, it's done. Let's talk about the fights now. Yeah, let's let's talk about two eight two because I, I, I don't want to say surprising because I wasn't surprised that it was awesome, but I think maybe for the masses, surprisingly great card. And we we're just talking about it off air, but. You know, if this didn't have that pay-per-view title behind it, it, it it was equally as good, I thought, as last week's Orlando card. Obviously, the Orlando card was free, so it probably takes the cake given given that um, set of circumstances. But I don't know, man. Everyone was saying that the main event was a flop. I, I fucking loved the fight. It was like a it was like a um, like a Broadway show. The start, the middle, the end, everything. It was just like poetic, and I fucking enjoyed every second of it. Mate, I know, again, people are like, oh, it's a broken sport, corruption, da-da-da-da-da. I literally just watched the fight 15, 20 minutes ago. I thought a draw was a really fair outcome. Mm-hmm. I thought if if you read the scoring criteria and you understand what a 10-8 round should look like, Magomed Ankalaev won the final round 10-8, but I also think he lost the first three rounds. Therefore, it is a draw. That's that's just that's just how it goes. I don't understand the controversy. Yam was winning the fight. He had the more significant strikes. And okay, Ankolaev came back into a bit in the third. It was certainly closer. I thought round two was very dominant for Yam. I thought he edged the first, mm-hmm. but twice he landed leg kicks which wobbled Ankolaev in the third round. Like that that is close to a fight finishing sequence. Wobbling someone with leg kicks is no different to rocking someone with strikes to the head or to the body and slowing them down. They are the same thing. It doesn't matter as long as the strikes are effective and they were very fucking effective. And then he came out and he did exactly what he needed to do and was trying to do from the start. Fourth round was more of a stalling holding. And then he he unloaded with the ground and pound. And it, you know, just optically, and I know fights shouldn't be scored optically. I know it's not like pride. You have to go round by round. But Yan being on the bottom and getting pounded by like that made it almost impossible for anyone to come away going, yeah, I think I think Jan actually won that fight. He said it best. He said, I know I didn't win that fight, but I don't think I lost that fight either. And that's why we have draws, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes it happens. And I know people are dissatisfied with it and whatever, but I think it was the right outcome. I think it's the Americans. They, you know, they, the amount of times when the World Cup's been on, that oh, I've heard yeah. the argument about, oh, I don't know how they can have a draw. I don't know how they, that game of soccer, you can have a draw in a match. I just don't get it, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it that many times during the World Cup from 
people that don't, haven't watched a game ever, and hey, I'm admitting I never watch it either, but I don't fucking complain. Um, <laughs> and that it, that's what it is. It's that American mentality. It's like, you have to have a fucking winner. We need to have overtime. We need to have this. We need to have that. We need to have a fucking result. I can't deal with this. And then I think, which we'll get to, the fight before that, Paddy's fight, just had everyone ready to fucking explode. Uh, and that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And the other thing that made it all worse and why people have sort of, I think, overreacted to, to the outcome of this fight, well, two reasons, actually. The first one is the fact that the belt was on the line and and no one won the belt. It continues to remain vacant. So it felt very inconclusive. We now have Glover Teixeira versus uh, Jamal Hill for the belt at 284, which we'll, we'll talk about. And secondly, Dana White didn't do any favors either by being extremely, I don't know, it was weird. Dana White's press conference is weird. He does does these sometimes. And him saying that he started to zone out by the end of the third and wasn't really paying attention and it's kind of like dismissed the validity of the whole fight and all of the work that Ankalaev got in in the fourth and in particular the fifth round. So, I don't know, it was weird. He probably should have paid attention for that fight. It's not a great look when the president of the UFC is saying, oh, I zoned out during that fight when we have a vacant belt. And then... He quickly talks to Hunter and um, oh, I forget the other guys, other guy's name, Sean Shelby, and, and they decide to to kick the strap. And the only reason they've done that, by the way, is because 284, 283, 83. So anyway, the Brazil, the Brazil pay-per-view, it was lacking. It did need another title belt. And it went, right, let's capitalize on this and throw another belt on top of that card because it was going to be a hard push to have Figueredo versus Moreno for fight four headline a pay-per-view and expect it to do great number of sales. But as you said, man, overall, I think it was a great card. And I think you're on the money about the Paddy the Baddy fight spoiling or like that that sort of anger and bubbling up to to, to and dragging the, the main event into people's dissatisfaction. Yeah, and we may as well dive straight into Paddy. Uh, do you think he won? My initial reaction I, was, ah, he lost that. Before the result, before the judges' results came out, I was like, ah, yeah. he's done. He was bizarrely confident and not just like, wasn't it, it didn't look fake confidence either. He genuinely in his head think, thought he won the first two rounds. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a real interesting one. I think I he hate, was just confident I, after that fucking performance he put on during the week. And Dane is probably like, thanks for that, mate. You, If it goes to the judges, you're winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I know. The two, the, we'll, we'll circle back to that whole, whole thing in a second. But he was very confident and clearly just coasted the third round. The, the term I hate, hate with MMA fans and I'm talking to you MMA fans right now. We are on video. You can see me, right? I hate the word robbery in fights. Stop calling decisions you don't like or that are unpopular robberies. Go to boxing and see some of the insane scorecards that you get. They are robberies. But even they can be explained away because of they don't have set scoring criteria. MMA has set scoring criteria and nobody fucking reads them. Nobody knows what they are. This fight was close. Was it an all-action fight? Certainly not. Were people expecting Paddy to get a finish? And maybe because Jared Gordon sort of 
went through the three rounds with him and he's never lost a decision before. Was that playing into people's minds? Possibly. I wouldn't have been upset if Jared Gordon got the decision because I think it was a really close fight. And you the numbers bear that out. If you break them down round by round, the significant strikes, I think uh, Jared edged by one strike in round one. Paddy edged it by a handful in round two. And round three was a terrible, awful round. But let me say this. Again, there was a couple of strikes landed in there by Paddy that were damaging-ish. Jared didn't have any real damaging strikes in the third round. And yes, he held him up against the cage a lot, but he wasn't doing anything with it. He was trying to take Paddy down. The the statistics for takedowns were a bit strange. And I thought, again, the third round, you probably give it to Jared, but this whole idea of octagon position is a figment. It doesn't exist. You have to follow the scoring criteria. And there was a moment when there was a takedown. But again, in isolation, takedowns don't mean anything. If you read the criteria, and I have them here. Right. Let me read verbatim. Um, It shall be noted that a successful takedown is not merely a changing of a position. Let me repeat that. A successful takedown is not merely a changing of position but an establishment of an attack from the use of the takedown. Now, the broadcast has a lot to answer for here because they said that Jared Gordon had three for three takedowns. Not by that criteria, he didn't. That one in the third round, he was he was able to get Paddy to the ground quickly. He tried to go for the back take, went too high. Paddy went out the back door and reversed it. I consider that just a neutral. neutral. Mm-hmm. No, no, no one scored any points there. That's that's a nothing. That was a change of position. Jared tried something. It didn't work. That's it. Move on. People get anyway. Go back to the first round though, and I do think there's a you know Jared Gordon landed some good hooks on Paddy. I think Paddy's leg kicks were were underrated, but it wasn't a robbery. It was a very close fight. Now one judge was a bit you know I think he gave all three rounds to Paddy or something. There was that weird judge who who is clearly crazy. I think ju- judges as a whole need to be accounted for and do do a better job. And when there are questions about, oh, well, how did you get to this? They should have to sit down with with the uh, commission who licenses them and, and, and explain their decision because it is subjective. But read the criteria and stop posting fucking scorecards with the total strikes at the end of a fight over three or five rounds, I mean, like, yeah, well, that guy won the fight. That's not how it works. Yeah. There's no point in having judges if that's the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Just have robots count the strikes and declare that the winner. That's amateur boxing. That's all that is. That's point fighting. That's it's stupid. Paddy handled it really badly as well, saying, "I you know, has, he, he should have, it would have been a lot better if he said it was a close fight. I honestly, you could probably watch that five times or 10 times, and I could see... I could see those first two rounds differently, depending on the mood, depending on what you know, what you what you really what drew your attention. I don't think it was a robbery. I don't think it was a, should have been a unanimous. Yeah, I don't think it was as clear as Paddy was making out. And I think Jared Gordon has the right to be aggrieved. But I also know one thing for sure: that no matter what, people had already flipped. They'd already flipped to Jared Gordon. And if it was a close fight. Everyone was going to be saying that was a Jared Gordon fight because of the whole week that we already talked about with Paddy. And that's why this has become such a massive thing. People don't want to say, like it, uh, admit it, but their internal bias about how this week played out because of his attacks on Ariel, who everyone yeah. loves, that, that it changed how they watched that fight. I have no doubt in my mind. 
Yeah, definitely for the fans, I 100% agree. And that's I was going to basically say that. You probably worded it better than I was going to. What I kind of have an issue with, though, is if you just if those two swapped bodies and the exact same fight took place and Paddy did exactly what Gordon did and Gordon did exactly what Paddy did, I'm nearly certain that Paddy still wins the fight. That's what I have the issue with. It just... It feels like the fucking judges also have some sort of bias or something too. It just feels like that. It has forever. And yeah, who knows if there's some dirty boxing level, you know, people having a say or if it's just coincidence like most fucking things are when you get conspiracy thoughts like the ones I've just thrown out. It's probably just a fucking coincidence. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love getting down the rabbit hole of a conspiracy theory. And as I like to say, conspiracy theorists usually aren't wrong. They're just early. But (laughs) the... The the idea the idea that like, like Dana out. White is putting <laughs> Dana White is putting pockets of of cash in these judges to give to give a decision for bat, for for Paddy especially with all of the James Krause situation going on right now with the FBI running an investigation into betting and corruption you got to be out of your damn mind it would be absolute pure insanity if people go oh well he's a new cash cow for the company he makes a lot of money so what. The UFC makes money hand over fist. We all know how much because you don't shut up about uh, how much money is not getting paid to the fighters and how much money the UFC is making, okay? We all know it's an extremely successful business. It grew out of COVID massively because of the ability to put on shows where other sports couldn't. It became the main event in town for a couple of years. It is monstrous and there will always be another star right? There's not going to be another Conor McGregor. We can forget that. But there was never going to be another Ronda Rousey. There was never going to be another Chuck Liddell. There was never going to be another John Jones or whoever. The big stars come and go. The UFC is the business model, regardless of the star power of the fighters, because they have the ability and the marketing to put anyone over the top. And that's just a fact. So the idea that it would all be risked to Give Paddy the Baddie a, a decision against Jared Gordon in one of the most low-stake situations is fucking ludicrous. Yeah. If it was a title fight or he was a home fighter, for example, and it, you know it was riding the success of the promotion, pushing back into the UK for the first, you know, there, there are bigger, craziest scenarios where you go, hmm, okay, it makes sense to take a chance, risking the entire reputation. Dana White billions. Federal prison, as he was wanting to point out in the press conference, risking all that for a decision on a co-main event at a random UFC pay-per-view at an unranked lightweight fight. What are we talking about, people? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, people like to have fun with it. Yeah. And I don't know. So, you know, say, let's say Paddy had a you know convincing decision win or a KO, whatever it was. But like, even if he, like, even if he did win this fight, he just won the fight. Obviously, he just won. He just got yeah, over. Just this guy. even if Man. he did, and there's question marks. And I could watch that fight again and see him winning it. I could see Jared Gordon winning it I, again. Watching it live, did I watch that one live? No, I didn't. I fell asleep because it was like ridiculous in, in the morning. I saw the downtown. But I, I rewatched it yesterday. Rewatched it again today, and uh, uh, both of uh, first. And bearing in mind, I watched it with robbery, robbery, robbery in my head because there was no way to avoid it. Even with that, watching it with a generous eye for Jared Gordon, I thought he won, but there's no doubt that I've been influenced by every fucking media 
outlet saying it was a robbery, 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 which changes the way that you watch a fight. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah, it's like looking at Rotten Tomatoes before you watch a movie. You got to just watch it and then look at look at the reviews after, or else you come exactly. in biased. Exactly. But the next point I want to get to, if we sweep all that aside, Paddy mm-hmm. doesn't look anywhere near the level of the top eight, nine, ten guys in that fucking division. Arguably the best division in the UFC right now, and I he think doesn't. that's right more now, concerning. He, right now, he doesn't. It is. It is. You put him in, and it, I don't like to say this because I'm a huge Paddy fan, and you know, I've, you know, it's great to see a UK fighter be this popular. If you put him in there with the Ilya Taporia that showed up against Bryce Mitchell, it's a scary thought, man. And I know, and I, yeah, it's 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 a real scary thought. That fight will get made at some point. They got a beef. It's just got to be the timing is right, and. That performance versus that performance, you don't make that fight right now. Paddy has to go away, get another win, maybe get another two. Taporia will get his opportunities. That fight will happen down the road, but Paddy needs to make some serious improvements if 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 you know if if he's gonna have any shot at beating Taporia who 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 looked as good as he did against Bryce Mitchell, that's for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent agree and I think we could probably talk about this fight for another hour. Yeah. We better push yeah, on because we, we I feel like we'll, we'll end up circling back to it when we kind of wrap everything up. But quickly touch on the Pons and Ibio fight. It was a bit of a, you know, a forgotten fight because of all the other shit happening. But it was it was a decent fight and a, a very good yeah, comeback. Very good fight. Uh, in the end, he kind of looked done for. His corner abused him and came back and <laughs> got the knockout. And, you know, that's always I love that that's the new thing now, by the way. Corn- cornermen just abusing their fighters. Basically like, oh, it worked for Leon Edwards. So let's, let's everyone, let's try this tactic of just berating our fighter. I swear they've got a mic on the fucking guy that's just putting Vaseline in cuts and shit now. They've got a mic on about eight people around the fighter that is like, <laughs> let's get something. Let's get something. we got to get a clip. we got to get a viral clip. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. But like it used to be... You might get a grainy little feed from another mic, you know, five meters away that picked up something the coach said. And now it's like you can hear it yep. so clearly. It's part of the broadcast. Like, yeah, they clip everything up. They awesome. just want. I love that. I love that. Me too. But I'm I'm waiting for something really fucking hilarious to happen, and it um all goes to shit. But I don't know if you wanted to talk about that much. That fight much. There's probably not a whole lot to talk about given the next uh, few. But oh uh, well. Very, very, very briefly, I'll just say I feel I'm happy for Santiago for, for, for Ponzinibbio here because everyone it's it's well publicised. He had that long three year layoff, or two and a half year layoff, um, bad injuries, illness. He's coming off the back of two split decision losses. Um, I must admit, I, I, the, the Michelle Pereira one I remember very close. Fact the Jeff Neal one I, I can't remember at this time, but the fact you know just two split decision losses in a row, bit of a bad beat, and then Morono looked good. Well, both of these guys come out of this fight with their reputations higher. Fun, entertaining fight. Pontinibio showed grit, desire, toughness. What a comeback. Get to finish. Morono looked really, really good. And he gets credit for stepping in very, very, very late notice, taking a catchweight bout against a dangerous guy. Pontinibio is dangerous. That proved to be the case. Morono will get rewarded from this, whether that's a new contract, whether that's a, you know, a, a position on the main card of a fight night as well. Um, maybe the co-main of, I don't know, I don't know exactly what happens, but but make no mistake, he he will get taken care of uh, for stepping in short notice and putting on a really fun fight at Catchway. That's all I wanted to say about this fight. All right, now talk about your your little lover, your little lover boy. Didn't quite get over the line, mate. 
Time. Oh, you were thinking a minute into the first round when he's getting his I was like, oh, overized. Fuck, oh, man. It was crazy. And then I was like, I was like, if he can survive this, he. Yeah, I thought. I genuinely thought I had an intern. I said, if he survives this, he wins the fight because du- Duplessis has questions about his gas tank, and that proved to be the case. And I thought Darren Till looked great. He looked great in the second round, and he came close to finishing the fight. I think on a couple of occasions, but I think a few a few things. One, I was just sad, man. It's so he he posted a video message straight afterwards, and everyone was like, "Oh shit, here's the retirement video." It wasn't retirement, but he just says he has to have a long, hard think about what he wants to do. He needs to take a bit of time off. Re- like reports circulating after the fight that he tore his ACL again during the oh, fight. Oh yeah, I, I know was, the exact moment was that so, would happen. Yeah, it was so easy, so easy to then take down over and over again, especially into the into the fight ending sequence. You've got to give credit to to, to Drickus, man. He 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 went through tough times himself in the second round, came back out and took advantage of the situation he created and got an, a win over a, a high profile guy, even if he is a faded Darren Till. But he's at a crossroads now because he says he's fighting and performing well in the gym. I do think he needs to go back down to welterweight. Drickus looked absolutely massive. And I think the shots he was landing in the second round put away a welterweight. I just I just don't think he's... So I think he needs to decide if he's going to continue to fight, he needs to do this properly and with discipline. It seems like he's found a really good spot for training in Thailand now. He seems to really enjoy that. I watched a good couple of interviews with him in the build-up to the fight. And it was the best I'd seen Darren Till in a headspace going into it. But it just... It just wasn't there. And he says he performs really well in the gym and then he, he he can't he can't put it together under the bright lights. It's just not working for him. Maybe he needs to go see a sports psychologist because that sounds just like he's got a case of the yips. He can't turn it on when he needs to. I don't know, but it's a career crossroads. I'd like to see the UFC give him give him a layup fight at welterweight, middle of next year, give him some time off and then see what he wants to do if he wants to to try and rebuild at welterweight. But his career is a bit of a mess at middleweight right now. It's just, honestly, I, I just feel sad because I like Darren Till. He's provided fun fights. And when you think about how dynamic he was in his prime, he's clearly past that now. I think it's a shame That's that he's just been so derailed by injuries. He's, his body's made of glass at this point. Yeah, but I think so. But I think also, I, I don't think he loses much. You know, like he, he hasn't had a good run, so that's not ideal, but... He didn't like. He felt like it was a fucking very brave effort, and like it was an. Un- I thought it was a. It, it got fight of the night in the end. It was a fucking ripper fight, mm. and Till even Dana said it like Till doesn't lose any any reputation after that fight. Like he he did no. everything. He went through the fire like fucking dealt it out himself, and it was just a fucking awesome fight. Perfect spot on the card, and Drickus is just. Really fucking powerful, really fucking terrifying, and I think if he fixes his cardio a little bit, he's a you know, he start you start talking like top three, top four, like fighting someone at that level, and I don't know if he's good enough. Who knows? He's just a mountain of a man. But it, even with the cardio, like he does look gas and he moves gas, but but that's the second time you've seen Drickus kind of look like that and get the win anyway, and it sort of he shows. does he does have heart. He does have that heart and character to push through. I think... Um, they did, Sorry to cut you off. They yeah. also mentioned in the commentary, because apparently Drickus obviously rewatched his last fight and heard 
Rogan and whoever talking about that he looks so gassed and he told them he's like my nose is busted I have to breathe through my mouth so like I'm always going to look ah. super gassed anyway but he's still like he, his whole body language looked gassed like not just his breathing but yeah I he should get that fixed element. he should get that fixed I feel because I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah, like o- so. o- optimal breathing requires nose and mouth if you're a professional fighter maybe it's one of those things though that the second it gets touched again, it's just going yeah, yeah, to so. wait till he's yeah. not, not getting punched in the face for a living. So mm, that's yeah. fucking South Africa. Interesting huh? one. I th- you know, yeah. I'd be interested to see Darren Till was ranked 10th before this. Let's be honest. That was a generous ranking. Um, I think a fun fight to make. They both coming off good performances would be Roman Delidze against Strickus Duplessis. Uh, but I think, I think Delidze is probably looking a little bit higher. Chris Curtis got a good win over Joaquin Buckley on this card. Joaquin Buckley, another fighter, another, you know, middleweight who needs to go down to 170. He needs to drop some muscle and get down. Shit, maybe you give, maybe that's a fight to make. Darren Till versus Joaquin Buckley, but both of them making their welterweight debut. Or it's not for a ranking spot. Who gives a shit? Make it a catchweight fight. Make it 175 pounds for Buckley's step down to 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 welterweight. It doesn't matter. Wait, you know. I think wait, Buckley wait. wins. He could, but he's not going to try and take him down. That's for sure, and that's what I think Darren Till needs. Yeah, it, yeah, just, true. You know, ment- mentally, he might uh, still so I, of the century instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then just be like, oh god, now Darren Till's actually dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Yeah, it was, it was, but we, I think we should move on because we, we saw a fucking insane performance uh, from Ilya Tafuria in the fight before this man, like. He made uh, Mitchell Thug Nasty look kind of amateurish, really. He took the piss in the end. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And it was with the grappling I was most impressed with. We all knew he was going to have the striking advantage, but the the way he was able to, to sort of ragdoll him and use his superior strength, and, and, and Mitchell just couldn't get anything going. Um, part of me wonders, you know, was he compromised from the striking? And so, you know, his head was all over the place and he couldn't think. Certainly, you think that had to play a part in it. But but just a sensational performance. Tapoya is one of the biggest winners coming from this. He's really proved that he belongs yeah, and- with some of the big hit the big hitters in, in the division. I gotta say though, like, and this is true of everyone, Volkanovsky absolutely puts a clinic on against Taporia. I think his style just fits and his rewarding else. style. <laughs> Yeah, he that, put that's a, the point. The right? clinic that that Ilya Tapuria put on Bryce Mitchell, Volk did that to Holloway in his last fight. Yeah, like he literally. I know, I know. It's it's stupid. It can't, and, and you know, I just always never miss an opportunity to shout out the greatness of Volkanovski. But I think Mitchell, uh, excuse me, Tapuria shouting for a fight with Brian Ortega is a real fun fight. Again, that's he is going to have the striking advantage. Is he going to have the grappling advantage? And that was the question going into the Bryce Mitchell fight. He answered that emphatically. Emphatically, he answered that. Brian Ortega is another level above. I, let's 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 see how that one goes. You'd have to suggest that Brian Ortega is the best submission specialist, the best grappler in the division. Mm-hmm. That would be a really fun fight to make. All of a sudden, all of a sudden as well, I think Arnold Allen becomes an interesting fight. I think Arnold Allen is probably being offered Max Holloway for the UFC London pay-per-view. I think that's probably what's going to happen. If that doesn't happen, Arnold Allen, if he can, if he's able to fight, yeah, he's had a hand injury, Arnold Allen against uh, against Elia Taporia would be a really fun one. 
as well because I think that the striking the striking match will be really fun. And then it's a question of can Arnold stuff Taporia's takedown attempts. That that would be an interesting one. Taporia's fought in London before. He, he had that great, insane KO of the year contender back in March against against Jay Herbert. That dude hits like a truck because he throws, he put, you can see him. That combination, he went from the, I think he went from the rear uppercut to the lead hook to an overhand right that that dropped Bryce Mitchell. He throws everything into those shots. And you have to question whether that sort of output, as he, as he elevates himself in this division, whether he's going to be able to sustain that kind of output for a five-round fight. And certainly against the guys who have better technical ability on the feet to be able to to circle out of range and, and really make him deplete himself. But, you know, those are questions for another day. You simply have to applaud this performance. And like we talked about before, his beef with Paddy the Baddy is going nowhere. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 you'd have to think at this point. And, it's a, you know, it's a fist fight. Anything can happen. And Paddy's jiu-jitsu is, is, is really good as well. We said the same thing about Bryce Mitchell and Taporia proved to have all the answers there. But Paddy's, I don't know if you saw some of the positions he was putting. Paddy's legs are freaky flexible. Like his legs are, are, are <laughs> really, shit. really, really weird. To be able his to get to land a like knee. 360 yeah, degree rotation. To be, able, to be able to land a knee on Jared Gordon with his back against the fence like that was was was, was like, oh, that, that's some insane yeah. ability. Just when, when you see them like grab their own feet when they're like on their back and like pull it in yeah. closer to like make triangles and stuff tighter, I'm just like. I get sore just just watching them. Do yeah. That. Oh, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. Yeah. He's crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't know. But you have to think Taporia runs through him. The one thing is, Paddy is much, much bigger. I don't think people realize how bad, how big Paddy is. And if and the question is a big, big if if he could work on his footwork enough and keep his chin down to keep Taporia out at range because he has really long rangey kicks as well. I don't think Paddy would be, be, be worried about taking down. That's what makes that fight interesting. Striking, if they just stood and struck, yeah, Taporia runs through Paddy and it's not even close. But I think size and the range makes that an interesting proposition. I don't know how we got back on talk, talking about <laughs> Paddy. Um, but I but think you'd have to th- Taporia kind of was the biggest winner, you know, of... Of the card. Huge winner. He talks yeah, shit man. all he's- week on his own opponent, on Paddy, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Paddy was saying after the fight in his presser that he won't, like, you know, I walked the walk. I talked the talk and I walked the walk. But it's like, yeah, maybe you kind of just did in a controversial decision, but Ilya Tapuria did it fucking hey. Ilya walked the walk, yeah. man. He yeah. did. Okay, so I think he is the bigger, biggest winner from this card. It's certainly not Paddy. It's certainly, you know, Jared Gordon was a big winner, Alex Morono and Pons. But, but yeah, I think I think Tapuria is the biggest winner from, from this card. Certainly no light heavyweights were. Although Glover Teixeira, pretty big yeah, winner from this as well. I say, holy, or Jamal wow. Hill. What about Jamal well, Jamal Hill. Hill. You know, oh, you know who wasn't the biggest win? I don't know if you've seen Anthony this clip. Smith. Anthony Smith. I feel so sorry for him, man. Uh, I feel sorry for him. I, I, I quite like Anthony Smith. I, I think he does a good job as an analyst. He's he, Explain the situation a, to the listeners that might not know. Yeah. The, what so Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill were booked to headline a fight night in March or February. It was announced uh, about a week ago. And in Brazil, we obviously yeah? talked. At, in, in, um, no, it wasn't Brazil. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, it was in oh, America. It yeah, was going right. to be. A, it's going to be its own fight night in America. Yeah. Oh, the pay per views in Brazil. The the pay per views. The pay per views in Brazil. And and so we were only talking. I think on the last episode in the preview to this that what a bad decision Glover Teixeira made because 
the lightweight title is going to have a new home. Someone else is going to have it. Maybe they defend it once. Yuri comes back, gets his first shot. MMA is so wild, man. I don't think I heard one person say, hey, you never know. There might be a draw. The, the belt may stay vacant, stay vacant. And Dana might get so annoyed that he just tears apart another main event and throws that to create absolute not, insanity. It, if so, it was a draw, you, so, in your head, you would go, oh, there's a rematch, automatic rematch if there's a draw. Exactly. So Dana White and Sean Shelby and Hunter Campbell, they get together and they decide to break down the fight that's already been made with Anthony Smith and announces in his press conference that Jamal Hill will get the opportunity to fight Glover Teixeira for the vacant belt to headline the UFC pay-per-view in Brazil, which we talked about before. But Anthony Smith finds out live on the air as he's working the desk as an analyst for ESPN. Got to take my hat off to him, man. If I had one, I would take it physically off. But <laughs> he handled that with such grace and class. I, you know, it wouldn't have surprised me at all to see him just get up and walk off the set. He could have done that and been like, sorry, guys, like, this is a joke. This is my career we are talking about. He handled that like a champ. And I really bloody hope the UFC does him a solid. They give him a favorable matchup uh, because he signed a, a fight agreement, right? So the UFC has to deliver him a fight or they have to pay him money to uh, to, to, to step out of that spot is, is my very, very, very limited understanding of how the, the fight agreements work. So I really hope they give him a favorable opponent. We see Anthony Smith get a really nice win over someone. Just give him a fucking can. It doesn't matter. Just feed him someone because you really Don screwed Jones. Anthony Smith over. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And Anthony is... Uh, but but Glover Teixeira, man, what a winner. We There was... There was a 99% probability that Glover Teixeira might not fight for the belt again. We thought the UFC would be pissed off at him, that he turned down this spot, he put them in an awkward situation, he removed and diluted the quality of this pay-per-view. But, you know, Dana White was was Dana White was more mad at, I guess, this main event than he was mad at Glover Teixeira for turning it down. And Glover Teixeira gets his opportunity again. I think he beats Jamal Hill. I think I... But no one... I mean, everyone's talking about this, but... I don't think Dana's thought about the possibility. The the belt could be vacant again because Glover might end up retiring before Yuri's good to come back. Can you imagine he wins the belt and is like, thanks guys, I got the belt. This is all I wanted to do. I'm I'm retiring. Um, <laughs> that yeah, would be so fucking... Like that will happen probably if he wins it. If, yeah, if he wins it, you could see it happening. Although part of him was like, no, I want to get that one back against Jiri. I think I could do it. We had a fight of the year contender. Da, 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 da. Fun times, man. At the, the end of the day... It's Yuri just a meme. Just still have the belt, <laughs> shouldn't he? Like that, everything would just be a bit more normal if he had just kept the belt. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like applauding him. It's like, oh, Bushido Code, what a warrior, man of honor. No, Yuri, you fucked everything up, you idiot. You threw this big spanner into the works of an already lacking division. It's just a, it's just a shambles right now. <laughs> it really is. It's Any- unbelievable how the UFC light, sorry, how the, the light heavyweight division used to be the premier division of the UFC. It's the reason All I started stars. watching UFC. Yeah, Chocolate Dell, man, he was the Rampage. guy, light heavyweight, Rampage, Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin, yeah. um, Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz, like unbelievable. And now it's just a meme. It's just a meme at this point. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious, and they're, they're all such like they're such they're such different fighters too, which is crazy. Like 
Yuri obviously is just a one of one anyway. And then Glover is just who he is, yeah, an old man. Um, and then like Jan Blachowicz is just this fucking terrifying Polish power freak show. And then Uncle Ives obviously Dagestani, like that whole new breed. That whole vibe. Yeah, that new yeah. breed of, of MMA. Like they're so different. And then Jamal Hill's like a, I didn't even consider him as, not yet anyway, as a title contender. And he's fighting for a title now. So who fucking knows? And if he wins, Unreal. then oh my God, it's going to be just absolute mayhem in that division. Chaos. Oh. Absolute chaos. But anything on the undercard you wanted to touch on? I think the most obvious was the headline of the undercard uh, Rosas Jr., the 18 year old. Kids 18 years old. And look, he, has he, some uh, sort of he, fucking. He, he, he Something. ran through. So maybe biggest loser. Like I, I like uh, Jay Perrin. He's he's a fun follow on Twitter. He's, he, I think he got he got it all in his head. And when you're at the weigh-ins talking shit to an 18 year old kid, you're like, I know you're fighting, but maybe you don't need to go this way. Uh, but talk about what being 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 one of the the biggest losers of the of the card. I think he'll be released from the UFC this week. I couldn't believe and how strong this 18 year old kid was, man. Because it's not like Mate. he's like I know he's big and stuff for his age, but he's still just like is quite slender build. He's still eighteen. Like, he hasn't like, got his man strength like grown body yet. Does he he's have still got years some sort of, of condition? Right? Like so, I, someone said that he has the same condition Bigfoot Silver has. Like that's why. Oh, but like that really? I don't. I haven't heard that mention. Yeah, I, I do not. I haven't heard that mention. I think that would be mentioned. I think on someone the just said it because yeah. they both have weird Do heads. <laughs> Doctor Adam over here just diagnosing. Unless I diagnosing forget, Bigfoot Silver was kids. literally a fucking giant, and this kid's like tiny in comparison. <laughs> but like, they do have that similar jaw structure and like face structure, and like, it kind of yeah. makes sense. But I can't remember what it's called. But it's like, it's some condition where you have like bigger hands and bigger feet, and I think you're meant to grow tall. But obviously, he's not. He's not that tall. This kid, but he, his head is like huge. <laughs> Without even trying to be offensive, like objectively, his head is fucking massive. Uh, right? Yeah. Here we go. You're, you're absolutely correct. He suffers from a rare condition called Pallister W syndrome. Um, this is so. This this has never been mentioned on the broadcast. You would have thought John Anik would have been absolutely well. How do you mention it? He's like, oh, this guy's retarded. <laughs> like, do you know yeah, what no, I mean? You, no, can't, like, you, you can't just you, be like, oh, this guy no, has a condition. Um, that well, you, you know, makes him look weird. Um, he's yeah. So, in, wow, this is this is fascinating, and also you know you feel for the guy, but he's clearly not letting his condition determine well, whether you know. I actually think it's in this field, it might actually be a slight advantage. You know what I mean? That's why. It's, uh, that's what. Okay, I don't want to jump on it, but come on, go. No, yeah. so it's a, oh, no, so it's a rare condition called Pallister W syndrome. It's a rare genetic disorder characterized by unusual facial features such as clefting of the palate and the upper lip and, and a broad flat nose. The major reasons for such factors arise is if the mother drinks alcohol through an early and, and late pregnancy period. But we don't know if that is the case. Um, there's no information about the parents, but that, oh, you know, that, that, that sucks. Um, but yeah, man, he's he's... It wants to be the youngest UFC champion. I, I, if you're not rooting for this kid, then you're, 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 you're a soulless monster because what a great story. He's got fucking 10 years until he has to be, you know, at his peak. It's 10 fucking Mate, years. I saw, you think you, so do you start doing the mental maths on this? <laughs> Sorry. Do you know your year it would be? I, 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 it's, 
what year it will be when Rosas Jr. is the same age as Glover Teixeira when he won the belt. <laughs> it'd be 20, like 20, it'd be like 20, it's like, it's like 2048 or something stupid like that. <laughs> Oh, or 2046. We'll it's, in, it's, in uh, it's in the 40s. It's in. It'll be in the 40s at that point. Yeah, it's just it's just unbelievable, and you can't help but but root for the kids. I had no idea that he sort of you know had this had this medical condition. Um, or you just thought he was ugly. So, <laughs> well, I mean, people can be you know people can just you know I didn't know it was like a specific genetic condition. Like some people are just you know unfortunately. Don't, nah, you know, we can't I've only all just realise that your mother was a heavy drinker, mate. <laughs> Judging by <laughs> Oh shit. <sighs> nah, you're beautiful. Um Oh my goodness. But he looked eighteen aside and all that all the bullshit aside. He just looked fucking just awesome. Like and if he if he was like twenty four and he did that performance, I was like, Yeah, we need to keep an eye on this guy because he's eighteen. I'm like, is this guy gonna be the fucking goat? Like that's what you have to think of. Like if he's he's just looked that good in his eighteen, it's just Ridiculous! Like yeah, he looks. I've never seen a young kid look so much stronger. Like that's what was fascinating to me. Like holy fuck, he's manhandling this guy. Yeah, he's just gone manhandling. He's so nice as well. He seems to completely have his head on his shoulders. He seems to be very well adjusted, considering that he's eighteen years old, beating dudes up, and then I guess he goes to school and is like undeniably the hardest kid at school. Like. <laughs> Like no, no, no one's no one's stepping to Paul Rosas Jr. after they just saw him choke out a man on the UFC <laughs> broadcast Seriously. on Saturday night. Oh. Imagine his teachers, his teachers being like, "Hey, did you do your homework?" He's like, "No," and it's like, "What are you going to do about it?" You yeah, just beat someone I'll up older than you, fucking li- twenty four hours ago. I'll, bitch. I'll, <laughs> I'll literally line up every single teacher and I will beat you all in a row. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> mental to think about. <laughs> It's it's an incredible story, and I I don't think enough has been made about it to be honest. Like how remarkable it is that he's in the UFC. Yeah, I think he's going to be a complete hype train now, though. Now that he had that dominant win and looked as That's good as true. he looked, it's going to be like hype city. Let's fucking put let's back him. Um, uh, Rosenstrike KO looked as yeah. basically as terrifying as ever. Like it was, I think he's yeah, man, he's back. KO, and I was just like, fuck, that guy's the scariest motherfucker. Back it- other than Ngannou. <laughs> back in back back in a big way. He's 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 an awesome striker, got crazy power. That was that was fun. Uh Edmund Shabazian got up, that was nice to see. Chris Curtis got the win over Rocky All Stoppages, Not convincing, by the way. I didn't think Curtis. Like he he, no? he he he's fought a smart fight, but like uh I was just like if you know how you suggested oh he might he could fight Drickus, that'd be an alright fight. I was like Drickus would beat him the fuck up if he fought the way he fought. Because yeah, he was he was kind of doing like the the UFC equivalent of rope dope and just like taking some damage and like blocking and just like trying to tire out Buckley and then he just it, he executed it perfectly and finished the fight. But if he did that yeah. with Drickus, he's fucking going to bed. Drickus is ten times more powerful <laughs> than that motherfucker. He's going to be KO, which is insane because fucking Buckley is obviously yeah strike hits like a truck as well. But Drickus Drickus is, uh, is is something crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see what both of these guys do next. I do think Joaquin Buckley versus Darren Till's probably the fight to make. Um, uh, and Billy early, Q. Early, I mean, but Billy Q, yeah, man, Billy Q always getting it, you know, uh, he's, he's a fan favorite. He got that new, newborn kid. He's got that dad strength going on with him. So mate, he days. is just a fucking cardio beast. My goodness. 
He's so impressive, I reckon. His physique lends itself to like being great at cardio, but you can see like that's a very, very much the way he trains, the way that's an intentional part of his game plan is to, I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to put a pace on you. And if you can keep up, good for you, but most people aren't going to be able to keep that pace. Yeah, it's so mental as well, though. Like you got to get to a a point in a fight where you're both just fucking dead. And if it was training, you're both probably like, all right, that's enough training for the day. That's enough. And he's just like, I'm going to another level. Like, or I'm yeah, just yeah. He, he likes going to those deep water and just like, let's go further. Let's yeah, go further. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's a disservice to him to put him that low on any card ever again. He's just like, no, no matter who he fights, doesn't matter what ranking, it's going to be fucking so much more yeah, entertaining. Got, got to get him. I know. So I think, what was he? He was the, the featured early prelim. All right, fine. And I know they wanted to put the shine upon Paul Rosas Jr. And then you look at the, like, it, it is what it is. This, Again, this turned out being quite a good card, but you've got to get Billy Q higher up on the card. Come on, guys. Yeah, for After. sure. Let's – I kind of want to talk about Dana and the presser and just the whole reaction to the crazy card. All right. Yeah, lay it on me. Lay it on me. Uh, first, let's just touch on the parlay while we're, while we're rolling, though. And I'll, for those that got on it, I don't know. I, I don't even think you can be angry at us at this point. Where The only leg that lost was uh, Paddy by stoppage. And he got the win in the end anyway. So, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the cre- questionable win. Yeah, it was a questionable win. But, hey, if he had a loss, I would have been able to swallow that pill a lot more than if he won by fucking decision, yeah. which sucked. Uh, uh, we had, Billy. I think Billy Q was the first leg. And what was Billy the second Q. leg? Uh, Rosen Strikes did not go the distance. And that didn't yeah. go a minute, so <laughs> they were pretty safe there. That was good. That was a good shout. That was a good shout. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that was terrifying. He made Dorcas. He he did to Dorcas what uh, I forget his name. The the Russian did to Ty last week. Oh, Pav- Pav- Pavlovich. Yeah. yeah, he did exactly. Uh, that. So I was just like, oh my fucking goodness, this is so <laughs> scary. Tell you what, uh, Chris Dorcas has mentioned he might consider going down to light heavyweight. I think he clearly can lose some pounds off the body. I think that would be good for him. Because yeah, well, his soul's gone. I don't know top, how much the soul weighs. Top, but he doesn't top, have to cut that anymore. Seven pounds. The, um, the, top, <laughs> the, the, the top sort of 10 guys are just are too much for him. I think he, I think doing a slow cut down to 205, taking some time off, um, doing it properly, make sure he doesn't deplete his chin. It's also, also good to have a long layoff after getting knocked out like that. I think you see him come back later next year at 205. I think that would be that'd be really good for him. Um, yeah, the parlay, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But, um, yeah, right, but, but if you're on Neds, uh, they they would have given you your money back. I think even on sports, they would have given you your money back too. If one leg loses, you get you get um, oh, get, happy yeah, get it back in bonus bets, which I then lost anyway the next fight. So <laughs> um, I want to talk about Dana a little bit and just the presses afterwards, the whole reaction. Um, Dana, like, I want to preface it sort of by saying, like, I, I have, there's so many things that I could argue against Dana, but like, if we're talking about, uh, the face of sporting leagues in the world and I had to fucking do a power rankings, Dana is number one by a fucking mile in just, but like, you can't, there's not even a competition. I don't give a fuck what league. No, it's it's crazy. So let me just say that first, but I feel like. He, I feel like he should just say this and then it, the presser wouldn't annoy the fuck out of me, but he acts like he is all over everything still and he's the fucking man and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's very, very clear to me that he's making 
the least amount of decisions probably that he's ever made in that company in its history. I don't know if that's because he's phasing himself out of the company. That's what I suspect it is. I suspect he's preparing for retirement at some point. Or it's just the company's so big and he's making such high-up decisions that even like headlining pay-per-view fights are like decisions that he's too above now, which is fine. But like he doesn't say that to journos and then it's very like journos asking him fairly straightforward questions and he just reacts so viscerally sometimes and it's just like i think it's just because you don't fucking know the answer and you're like talking around it and like they were asking him just about like that betting scandal as well and he just started blowing up about it's just like why are you blowing up about this at all like just just give him and then there was a couple of things just based on the card and i just think he doesn't have much of an idea about stuff like in that i watched the full paddy podcast that he did during the week obviously because mm-hmm. you know i'm just a such a good content creator that i'll make sure I, I look at the full thing before i just put the clip up you know you got to get the full context uh and he asked paddy whereabouts in england is he from and i'm like surely by now like they were talking about darren till and he's like oh where where is till from he's like liverpool he's like where's that and he's like it's where i'm from like liverpool like how do you not fucking know darren till yeah. and paddy and it's just like He's just not in the world anymore. You know what I mean? Like, no, I mean it's not possible to be when you're, you know, that wealthy. Actually, he lives in a completely different bubble to to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, and has has done for a long, long time. And I think, I think you're right. I think he is. He has slowly over the past few years ceded power and control internally to Hunter to Sean Shelby. I still think he's involved in. And if he wants something to happen, he just picks up the phone. And that gets done. He can. He still has that sort of authority and clout but now espn is on board they certainly have power and influence over some of the decisions that get made they now have major shareholders right they are that it isn't just dana white and his buddies owning this anymore there are other people that have say and influence as well and i do think he said he said it, he said the, in an interview with brett okamoto i don't think it's come out yet or when it's going to come out but there was a clip that circulated and he said i can see the light at the end of the tunnel and he said i'm not i'm not going anywhere any, anytime soon but he said he can see the light at the end of the tunnel, whether that's three years, five years, 10 years. I doubt it's 10 years, but you know, five years could be an interesting time frame. We know his exit is going to be managed over a period of time. And I don't think they will necessarily, they might name a interim president and he sort of like hand, hands it over. I think Hunter is clearly the, 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 the godfather in waiting, right? He's the, is the uh, Michael Corleone ready to, to, to move in and so, take over the family business? I think it's the obvious The obvious thing you do then is, uh, like, uh, my favourite, one of my favourite parts of any pay-per-view is the Dana Presser. So don't let that go anywhere. But just put those two guys in the presser as well for 15 minutes because they're going to, they're actually going to yeah. be so insightful. I feel like they're... they're I'd be, love to hear what they have to say. Oh, like, they'll be so aware of just basically every fucking fight that's happened in the last month, the storylines between each fighter, blah, blah, blah. Like that's literally their job. And I'd love to hear from them. So they need to, they need to throw them in because all those questions would get answered too. If they just threw them in before Dana, Dana would probably answer better questions because he doesn't have to answer the bullshit that they've all, they've all just said as well. Like it would just be, it'd, it'd be such a better product for us. My next point is, and it's more of a question. What, do you think the UFC changes much if Dana goes? And then I will add this. I've, I've heard Rogan talk about a fair few times him say, like, I think I just see the clip float around a lot on the socials, but him basically saying, 
whenever Dana leaves, I have a clause in my contract that I can immediately leave as well. And like, yep. and, and that's what oh, I'll do. Yeah, they, so what does the UFC look like if Dana and Rogan are gone? So I, uh, obviously Dana has a far bigger impact than Rogan. We see Rogan's influence. And yeah, I guess with the Rogan part, I'm more asking about you as a fan. Like how do you, how do you but yeah, sorry, kick on. No, but yeah, it's, he's probably only doing 10 shows a year. Uh, and, and so, and people are questioning his ability as a commentator now. And I suppose he just doesn't have the time to put in the preparation that he should. I still think most of the time he, he, he's, he's on point. And I think, you know, Dana White's, excuse me, Joe Rogan's forgotten more about fighting than most people know because of just how long he's been involved in the sport and been around for. He wasn't a fighter himself, obviously, but he's watched you know, more hours of fighting than most people will ever watch in their lifetime times 10, probably. So yeah. he does know what he's watching, but I do think his detailed preparation into the fighters is 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 lacking. But I still think he adds value to the pay-per-view. This... I, Every sport has commentators who don't who say the wrong thing, and at the end of the day, they're just people commentating on what's being seen. It's people love to trash every NFL broadcast. The, the, the color commentator will say something and was like, "What are you talking about?" Like that's just how it goes. The the listening audience will have a difference of opinion to what's being said by the broadcaster the majority of the time because, like I said, many much of this stuff is subjective, and you're you know you're see you're seeing things from a different position, he's cage side, blah, 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 blah. I do think he will be missed. I do think it, it it still brings something to the broadcast when Rogan's there. I think that's a really, I still think it's uh, probably the nostalgia, but it always makes it feel like a bigger event when Rogan's involved. So that will disappear. But much like every sport that goes through its iterations of broadcasters, a new big name will emerge and over time that feeling will latch on to another broad, another commentator, another announcer. And that's just the way the sport goes. I think Anik is clearly number one in the game right now. And I think he will continue to excel and become the main guy. And when Anik's on the broadcast, you, you know, it's going to be serious business in terms of Dana, obviously it will change the sport. But as I said, there's no way that he doesn't leave without a strong succession plan in place and someone who's basically being groomed to continue to do things the way that they have because of the success that the sport has had. It's 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 unquestionable. And I just wonder if Dana White's got one more like this like challenge. Maybe it's once he's gone to Africa, got the performance institutes open in Mexico and Africa, like he said he wants to do, and I don't know renegotiated one more broadcast deal with ESPN or Fox or whoever that might be, then he might decide to walk away once he's like set up in his mind, set up the organization for success after he's gone. I think then you probably see him walk away. He stays on in some capacity, maybe like a board advisor. He's a, I think he's a stockholder. I'm not hundred percent certain about that, but it's just, it's interesting, but he certainly doesn't have the power, the unilateral, like I, when I say goes power, I don't think, and I think that's, like I said, changing structure of the organization, changing ownership, adding ESPN in there. People don't, ESPN is fucking Disney, guys. People don't understand like what a monstrous level of influence that someone at Disney has over the direction of the UFC, or at least on some decisions, right? Including uh, the cost of the pay-per-views and all that kind of stuff. So the sport will change, but I, I don't think you'll see, like it's not all of a sudden going to, 
completely 180 on its head and be very different when Dana White goes away. And I don't think the sport will suffer for it either. I think you're right. I think the the main thing that'll happen will just be personal taste. Everyone, that'll be the nostalgia thing, like you said, and people will be like, no, oh, I miss that. But, you know, when we go back and do these history apps, we we kind of laugh at the product. So I'm sure in 10 years' yeah. time, no matter who's in front, we're going to go back and listen. Like, oh, my God, could you fucking believe that and that and that and that. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the sport, it's nearly too big to fail now um, unless it's very, very poorly managed, which it just won't be. So I think it should be safe. But, yeah, I'm going to miss Dana and Rogan. They're like they, The Dana presser is, like, whenever he does some sort of interview or presser, specifically related to UFC and not like, you know, not like a podcast where they're asking him about himself, but when he's talking the business, yeah. it's like he's captivating. Like it's, it's a skill it's that compelling. he has. It's must, it is, it's must, it's must watch. And it's why he's been able to remain the face and the, you know, the flagship of the, of the company for so long, because he is extremely good at that. And it gets reactions out of people. People love it. People hate it, but people tune in. That's just how it goes. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's not far away. He, he, it's not like he's getting called out by Jerdos. He's just getting found out nearly by like them just asking a regular question and he doesn't really know how to yeah. answer it or kind of or you can tell his brain's off. ticking over like, who's that again or what's that again or whatever. But yeah, I think the, the easy answer for now is just throw the uh, Sean Shelby and what's the other guy's name in again? Um, Hunter Campbell. So they're the two main matchmakers. Is that right? Yeah. So Sean, yeah, Sean Shelby is the main matchmaker and Hunter Campbell is like, Head of, he's like the legal counsel. He's involved in match. He's involved in everything. He's been around for a long time, yeah. and he's he's been the like I said. I think I think Dana, he's he's been groomed to be Dana White's successor. I you know we talk about Chael or someone coming in. Daniel Cormier got mentioned. I think he'd be a, do, wouldn't do a great job. It's going to be someone internally, and it's going to be someone who people aren't familiar with. Yeah, uh, get those like two a, sitting a next to each other at the presser for fifteen minutes before Dana, and probably every everything sold. I think for now at least. Yeah, I think that's a really, I think it's a really, really great suggestion. Really great suggestion. Um, all right, it's conscious of time. We've been, we've been running a little long here. We. Um, I don't think we've got time really to dive into a full preview of the, 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 the final event of the year, but we do have a fight night to close out the year, December 17th. Unfortunately, it's back in the apex. The atmosphere is going to stink. Yeah, especially okay, after the okay. last two weeks we've just had. It's just going to be – it's impossible yeah. to live up. It, like, it, it's genuinely impossible. Yeah. But, for, for you know, shout out for an, an Aussie perspective. Jake Matthews is fighting on this card after his spectacular performance against uh, uh, Fialo. He, and hopefully he gets a – a, a nice clean win so he can have a quick turnaround and get on that Perth card. There's a few fun fights. Headline yeah, fight, Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland. The co-main event, Armin Sarukian against Amir Ismagulov is going to be an absolute banger of a fight. Really looking forward to that. Drew Dober versus Bobby Green. Bobby Green's return after his uh, suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. That's going to be a really fun fight. Uh, yeah, there's like I said, it's a fun fun fight night. It's just a shame that it's not going to be in front of fans. It's, that, that always brings it down a notch. But it is the last fight card for the year, and we go on a break, nearly a month-long break, until we come back with uh, Kelvin Gastelum against um, who's he fighting? He's fighting Nasuddin Imamov. Im, Im, Imavov, excuse me. Uh, the rest of the cards hasn't really been fleshed out yet. I'm sure there've been some announced belts, but for the time being, we've got that January 14th uh, again at the Apex. Unfortunately, but it won't be long. January 21st, back with UFC 283. 
um, <clears throat> for the start of the year. Going to be Teixeira versus Hill, as we talked about. Uh, one last thing, we will bring you an episode next week, a bit of a year in review. We're going to go back and look at all the pay-per-views, the standout moments from the year, and then we will go on a, on a well-deserved Christmas break and be back in your ear holes with a preview of the very first event of 2023. Adam, anything else you wanted to, to chuck in here before we head off? Just give us five stars wherever you listen to us, please, on Spotify, on Apple. Uh, send us an email at punchdrunkpod at gmail.com, at punchdrunkpodcast. Actually, at punchdrunkpod with two Ds on YouTube. Um, we are not the other punchdrunk podcast that has all, all of a sudden just found itself into our Come up out of nowhere. Yeah. These, uh, dirty little, these dirty little interlopers. We actually invented the term punch drunk and yeah, this is yeah, ours. Yeah. And there's no no one has ever thought about using punch drunk as the name for a podcast until us. And we did it. Okay. We are the original. Joe, all, these, all those jokes aside, I'm, I'm more than happy for They're a boxing podcast too, by the look. So they're allowed to have the same name. But if you look at their YouTube handle, their YouTube handle is actually called The Better Punch Drunk Pod. And that is <laughs> that, triggering. That I cannot abide. No. That I cannot abide because I just can categori- categorically say that is just not true. I'm yeah, sorry. 100% it's not we're, true. We're bringing um, you the goods. Yeah, also, because so. it's a boxing podcast and boxing is just a shit show. Oh, no. So let's focus on mixed martial arts here. Let's focus on the goodness. Please, uh, our YouTube has been popping off actually. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed. Please, if you haven't, do so. Drop a like on the video. Drop a comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We will uh, be getting better cameras and lighting setups for next year as well. We've only recently come back to video. So hang out for that. I think you know we will. we will... We are trying to to make this as good as it can be for you guys. We appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens. So subscribe, like the video, give us five stars on Apple or Spotify if you're an audio listener. If you are an audio listener, come and have a look at our faces. Come and have a join the journey on the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Things have been popping off on TikTok. Adam's getting hip with the younger generation. Look at him go, mate! It's no longer the younger generation. Don't you sound you sound old? You don't. This TikTok is no longer dancing in front of a camera. It is. It is now the leading social media platform on planet Earth. The most views compared to any other social media platform. It's scary. The average it's scary, age man. is but- climbing, and it is. Instagram is dead. Facebook beyond dead. Twitter is fucking laughable and. The only other thing that compares is probably YouTube, but that's a different product. So, and even YouTube's copied them with the shorts. TikTok is with the shorts, at. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do got to say though, I, I, you know, I'm happy to sort of like get into TikTok for for this sort of stuff. But if I have to see that twat dancing family from the UK, that stupid dad with his with his kids dancing like an absolute clown, trust me, have I'll, some, have some I'll get humility. you in on the, the dark side of TikTok, and it'll just be seeing oh. broken bones and knockouts and inbred relationships. <laughs> no, no, we started off started off well, quickly, quickly took a took a, a, a terrifying a terrifying uh, hard right turn there, which was was not where I was hoping that was going to go. But anyway, uh, no, it's good stuff. It's good for you. It is. The- Easily the most addicting app I've ever come across in my entire life. Like, uh, it's the one I have to make a concerted effort. I'm not even going on because you can't. You you don't even realize. You just go into a trance. You're like, oh, that was 15 minutes, and I didn't even know what happened. Someone could have died in China. Got us good, baby. China got China got us good. 100%. But yeah, if you are an audio listener and you want to check us out on YouTube, uh, we are uglier than we sound, but still worth looking. 
looking at our beautiful faces. Uh, mate, so good to hear from you. Can't Absolutely. For the Christmas break and uh, our Christmas episode. Should be fun. Should be good. Talk soon, mate. See you. Yeah. 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 Yeah.